I want to talk to our fans. All right. Week 11, it really let me down, you know. We're walking into the game. All I see are a bunch of fans under the roof or on the 50-yard line. This is playoffs. You need to get to the game. I understand, you know, if monsoon during Firestone, you don't want to come out, whatever. When we're up 73-6 to over a team that wants to get the full experience and you want to leave at halftime to beat the traffic, I get it. I don't support it, but I get it. But the Fairweather bullcrap is over, you know? It's time to come to the games. Week 11, it, it was sad. This is playoffs. We're not guaranteed the next week. You need to come out to the games to support the Tigers. And just coming out to the games is not good enough. When you're at the game, you need to stand up and you need to get loud. I don't want to see people sitting there and just taking up space. I want to see you get up on that third down, get loud, so that the other team cannot hear whatever they're signaling in. All right? When I'm standing up cheering on our team and I hear someone behind me yell at me to sit down, no. You need to get up and you need to cheer on our team too. I, you know, I've had my season ticket for 30 years. Well, it's hard to be a wet blanket for that long. Get up, support your team, cheer on the Tigers. The kids feel that, you know? And we had, what, 15 people over in the away side? Seven of those were the other team. I mean, kudos to, like, the three guys over there, or, or gals, I couldn't tell, trying to get the TIG ERS chant across the field. I love it. I couldn't hear you, but I love it. I could see you trying to get it done, and I was trying to cue off of your body language, but I still love it, you know? I, our kids love it. Our Everyone, it, uh, the team feels it. So let's please not only get to the game, but get into the game. Let's start the damn podcast. Shut up and sit down. And welcome to the week 12 edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. I'm Rob Antonell, here with Hank Pfeiffer, as well as Jim Matigley. And uh, tonight, Hank Pfeiffer is going to be in super fangirl mode, because we're talking about the trench life. We have offense coordinator and offensive line coach, Coach Mazur with us. So welcome to the show, Coach. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I take offense to that if you weren't wrong. <laughs> but I'm right. I know. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. All right, so, uh, you know, let's just jump right into it. Um, Coach, you know, explain to us about your football career and what brought you to Maslin. Well, I actually, uh, I played at Akron Springfield High School, um, you know, just outside of Akron. Um, In in ending my high school career, I actually played in the North-South All-Star Game. I'm at Paul Brown Tiger Stadium. Um, Fell in love with the town. Um, Literally walking off the field after the game, told my mom, like, I want to coach here someday. That that's a true story. Uh-huh. Um, so, I, I had a scholarship. I went and I played at Bowling Green. I was there for five years. Um, once I once I finished up playing, um, some things happened where where I played for Urban Meyer. I was a captain for him. He took the job at Utah. Um, then my old line coach ended up staying on as offense coordinator. So I became a graduate assistant uh, at Bowling Green. 
Um, I was there about six months um, doing that job. Um, it was tough. I went from being, a, you know, kind of a captain where my voice mattered to uh, to being a, uh, a graduate assistant where my voice really didn't matter, and that was a tough transition for me. And uh, I went home for a week, and I was working out at my old high school, and um, the principal and superintendent came down to the weight room, and I'm, I'm lifting and I'm sweaty and, and all that stuff, and um, offered me a teaching coaching job on the spot. Um, so I ended up accepting that, going back to my old high school. I was a physical education teacher there for four years, um, coached freshman football for one year, uh, spent three years as a head football coach there. Um, resigned from there, just um, you know, my expectations and, and the things that I wanted from football and um, just you know, the direction that, that it was going. I was a really young head coach, really didn't know what I was doing, um, but the, the things that I wanted, it just, it just, they just weren't fitting there. So I left there, was able to uh, get an assistant coaching job at Jackson uh, under Tom McDaniels. Um, best experience for, you know, for a young guy that kind of got, you know, thrown into a head coaching position and um, didn't have as much experience as I needed. Um, you know, here I got to go under a guy that, that had all the experience and, and really knew how to do the job. So I was with him for two years there. Um, and then I was uh, with Bo Watterson for six. So I spent eight total years at Jackson. I'm um, a good chunk of it as like, you know, co-offensive coordinator, run game coordinator, O-line, you know, kind of the same thing. Bo and I had had a very uh, similar relationship to what Coach Trox and I have now. Um, and then I came to Maslin. The opportunity came up. Uh, Coach Moore and a friend of mine are friends. Um, so Coach Moore contacted me, asked me if I was interested and said, absolutely. Um, went over, interviewed, and I think we were, we talked about 20 minutes and next thing you know, I'm in the parking lot calling my wife, who is also a teacher at Jackson. She's a head cheerleading coach there. So, um, you know, it wasn't a real popular thing for me to call and tell her, Hey, I, I want to take this job at Maslin. And, you know, we would no longer be on the same field on Friday nights and, and stuff like that. But, um, she was really supportive and I, I came over and, um, it's been the best decision I've ever made. So I've been here four years and, um, you know, really kind of did a, the run game, you know, really doing a similar job to what I have now, um, just with not the co-offensive coordinator title my first two years, you know, and then um, was named offense coordinator last year. But, um, you know, by the time we had hit week one, you know, I mean, it was, you know, Coach Miller, Trox, and I really um, running the whole thing together. Um, and it's continued that way with all of our assistants uh, doing a great job. Yeah, so, I mean, I've heard nothing but great things about you, Coach. Um, you know, I'm glad to have you here. You know, I'm, I'm not an offensive line type of guy. I don't understand all of it. Unfortunately, I'm trying to learn. Uh, so I don't notice all of the little X's and O's that you have going on. But, I mean, besides, you know, the great success that we've had here with you, you know, running and passing, um, I mean, I've just I've heard a lot of great things from you. All of the other coaches we've talked to have a lot of great things to say about you. So I'm glad that you're here. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into some more in-depth offensive line stuff here. And uh, I'll try to learn as much as I can. But uh, I'll ask some general offensive questions for you later. Uh, so, Hank, if you want to take it from here and get into whatever you wanted to get into. It sounds like I'm not the only one fangirling here. <laughs> hey, I've heard a lot of good things. What can I say? Well, I appreciate that. I, whoever's telling you those good things, I I like to I like all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess really first question I want to get into. Um, what's your favorite offensive play, and why is it power? <laughs> well, I was gonna I was gonna say, do you really have to ask that? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, everybody likes to say this play is good against this, and this play is good against this, and well, I like this pass play because it's good against everything. Well, 
to me, there's only one true play that's good against everything. And that's power. I mean, you can load the box. You can blitz. If it's blocked correctly and you have the right calls and adjustments built within the play, um, power is good against any front. Power is good against any blitz. Um, so, and also, um, whether you're, you know, whether you're big offensive line, physical offensive line, fast offensive line, I always hear people say that, well, we don't have a very big offensive line, so we need to run the wing T. No, you don't. You know, if you want the wing T does something similar that to what power does, you're you're working on angles, you know, and you're trying to create angles and and the power play. Um, the reason it's so successful if it's run correctly is because you're creating angles all through the play. Um, so you don't have to be as big. You don't have to be as strong. And um, as long as your kids are tough and physical and they want to knock somebody off the ball, you'll be perfectly fine. Um, now, if you have some big physical kids, that helps. Yeah, you talk about like the size of the offensive lineman um, and how you know some people want to run different stuff if they don't have what they think is the ideal size for it. Um, I know we run it too, and a lot of guys like to run their system through, say, outside zone or inside zone, which kind of simplifies the blocking a little bit. How much of a mental aspect is there to running power? Because it seems like there's a lot more moving parts to it. Well, you know, we, we really have to be ready for everything. Um, you know, because we, we do run zone as well. Um, powers are probably our number one play. Um, but you know, the, with us adding different types of zone, that's that's picking up. So it's starting to get a little bit more even. But um, we've seen so many different fronts this year. that I think that makes the mental aspect of it so hard because, you know, our kids have to be ready for anything. You know, and, and whether it's every single gap filled and guys pinching off the edge or guys cutting our offensive linemen, um, they have to be ready for everything and they have to be ready to make those adjustments. And, um, you know, as we saw last week, not every single thing the defenses are showing on film is what they're bringing to the table um, because Walnut Ridge came out and, and they came out in a different front, something that we had not not seen in the, in the three films that we shared with them. So um, they have to... You know they have to be able to make those adjustments on the fly, and they have to, um, you know, they have to know what calls so that everybody's on the same page. Um, but they also have to do that and play fast, you know, because power is a physical run play, you know, and we want to be moving forward. Um, you know, I tell them that we're on tracks, you know, we're on the tracks, and something crosses your track, you take it. And you know, if you're the puller and the front side tackle takes your guy, you know, if somebody takes your butt, your your guy, because you know he that guy stepped on his track, then you know your eyes go back inside. You know, so they have to mentally be ready to do that um, in the blink of an eye. I mean, that fast. So, yeah, the you know the biggest thing is repping it so many times um, that no matter what we see it, we, no matter what we see in the game, that we don't slow down. Um, and we try to make practice harder on Monday and Tuesday um, than the games are on Friday nights. Yeah, I mean that's one thing that we've consistently heard from every coach so far this year is, you know you you always see something different on Friday nights than what you can plan for all week. So you always have to, you know, assume for other things. Uh, so with all the different teams, all the different types of defenses we've played alongside, you know, preparing for what they might do. I mean, how many different fronts have you practiced for? I mean, is there anything that our kids haven't repped out yet this year? Uh, nine today. Nine different fronts? Nine different fronts wow. today because I wanted to make sure that we were prepared for everything. Now, that just might be a subtle adjustment. You know, mm -hmm. one guy, this guy's a one and this guy's in three, a three instead of him being a two and him being a three. You know, but it, it, 
it, we've worked more against multiple looks this year than than I've ever I ever have in my career, and I think that says a lot about um, how, who we are offensively. Um, you know how we execute what we do. Um, you know the team that played the most base against us was St. V's. Mm-hmm. You know they played undercover four and spilled everything and played downhill the way that they do. And um, you know they just they lined up and played their defense. Nobody else has really done that. Everybody's kind of um, done a gimmick front a little bit against us, um, and not completely. I mean, some some people still stay within a structure of what they normally do, but. Um, teams that don't wrong arm suddenly are wrong arming us. You know, it's just things that you don't see them do on film, which I think is an advantage for us because if you're if you're not, and it actually goes back to Hank's question. Um, you know, if you're doing something outside of what you normally do, how often do you get to practice it? Uh, there's a reason we run so much power is because we want to be so good at it, and and we want to be so good at it that no matter what you line up in that we're confident we're going to gain yards with it. And that's why we don't have 20 different runs. You know, in a game we might have, you know, six main and four variations of those. Um, but those six, we better be sound against everything. And I think we have been, um, no matter how many fronts we've seen, really until until this past week, you know, it was the first time that we had been hit for multiple negative run plays. Um, that was a stat that I think a lot of people don't look at um, is that how many, how few negative run plays we have had this season? Um, because that's that we just got a really smart group of guys up front that play really hard, fullbacks um, that are blocking their tail off, quarterbacks making great decisions, and you know tailback running hard. Um, we, you get all those things together. Um, you, you don't really have guys running through, or if they do, Jameer's running through the tackle for for two yards. But you know, you go back and look at the statistics and. You know, that's one that gets overlooked, but how few of negative run plays we've had. And I think that goes into we're simple in our run game so it can be good against everything. That's awesome. Uh, so <laughs> uh, just real quick, I actually just looked it up on the fly. Do you want to take a guess at how many negative run yards we have between our rotation at running back? Total? Yes. Well, I'd, I'd like to see that stat before last week with with Jameer. I bet Jameer was under 40. He still is. It's total between Jameer and Zion and Marcellus as well. It, it, the total is at 35. Total? Yes. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that was just a stat. That's just something I – it wasn't like something I'd, you know, research coming no. in. That's just something that – and that's not something I talk about with the linemen – um, we've mentioned it as a as a coaching staff, Trox and I, um, and Coach Miller. Um, but you know who mentioned that is is Chris Easterling mentioned that to me that how few of negative run plays um, that we've had. I mean, I think that's it's coach. You know, the final play call goes through Coach Trox. You know, and I'm and we're we're working together, um, you know, hand in hand. Um, but I think a lot of that goes with setting up those plays, putting him a good in position to succeed. Um, and, and then the kids just executing it. I mean, our kids are um, really have been executing at a high level for the majority of the season. You know, give or take a couple of drives here and there, but, you know, they are 15, 16, and 17. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't have very many negative runs, like you said. Uh, to, go, to go along with that, I mean, there's a balance between, you know, wanting to stick to your identity as well as taking what the defense gives you. I mean, that's something that Trox really talked about last week. Um, when some of these teams are really stacking the box on you, you know, it, 
it seems like it would be, you know, just easier to just throw on them a lot, you know, spread it out. You know, where is that fine line between still proving your point that you can run even against a stack box to whereas just spreading it out on them? That's a really good question because, um, you, you know, you hope you're, you're, you're through the game, you're living on that, you know, you're staying right on that fine line. Um, I think for us, I mean, you look at the last two games, you know, we, we were able to run the ball successfully in the fourth quarter against Walnut Ridge, but before that it was a struggle. And most of the time, if we had seven guys, you know, to block with, they had nine, you know, to, to defend. So, um, you know, we were still trying to run the ball, but would we throw the ball, you know, 30, 30 plus times, 35 times, 33. Um, yeah, we get 33 times compared to eight the week before that, um, where McKinley refused to let us go over top. You know, so we would have liked to throw in a couple more tag screens and a couple more, you know, quick game passes against McKinley if we had a chance to, you know, do that over. Um, and there's a couple of runs that I think that we could have gotten to a little bit earlier if we got the chance to do one at Ridge over. Um, but you don't. You get one shot at it. And um, I think we worked through our progression well enough that, you know, we we, th- we knew that we needed to throw the ball because they, they were loading the box and we knew against McKinley we needed to continue to grind it even when I'm sure people in the stands are going – throw you know throw the ball throw the ball well you know if we're getting five six seven yards a clip they they might as well just sit down because mm-hmm. we're going to keep doing what we're doing you know and and it's it's it is it's it's trying to be patient um you know and be effective and be patient and and take your shots when you get them um you know if they're if they're you know, packing the box but um you know if they they thin that box out then you know we're gonna we're gonna continue to just grind it out there yeah, so Rob, he kind of mentioned that word in their balance. Uh, Mike Leach, he kind of went on a rant a few months ago. It went a little bit viral about what balance is. And, you know, some people want to say it's 50-50 run to pass. He liked to say it's getting all of your players to touch the ball. You know, he talked about, like, Paul Johnson and the wing tee. It's, they're running the ball 90% of the time, but, you know, all their guys are touching the ball. So what is really your definition of balance yeah that's a good question too i like that um well if you if you look at the last two weeks um in the run to pass ratio you know that would be my definition of balance um you know week 10 it took you know 50 runs and eight passes to win the football game you know, and then last week it took what, 30 runs and 33 passes to win the football game. My idea of balance is, and, and I think a lot of this goes to our coaching staff, um, you know, Coach Moore's belief as well, but even more than that, our kids. Um, we have a great group of kids that I truly believe they don't care who gets the touchdown. They don't care who gets the yards. So when we talk about take what the defense gives you, um, our kids buy into that too. They see it. Jameer knows when there's eight guys in the box. They, you know, our, our receivers know when it's cover one. Our receivers know when it's too high. You know, they know. They know what should be open at this point. You know, we've repped these things so many times, and um, there's just a belief there that you know we're going to do whatever it takes to win by whatever the defense gives us. 
You know, and there are times that we're going to run power into a heavy box because that's who we are. Absolutely. Um, are there times that we're going to take shots over top? Um, you know, with Jaden has a, a safety over top of them or Trey's getting bracketed? Absolutely, because there's still a point where players make plays. Um, we have some really good players. Um, you know, we give Ch- Jameer a chance to win a one-on-one or shoot one-on-two sometimes um, battle. And, um, you know, same thing with our receivers. And Aiden throws such a good ball. And we just – um, you know, we, we have we have a really good players that are unselfish, I think would probably be the best way to put it, and an unselfish coaching staff. You know, Coach Miller is not going to be upset that we throw the ball uh, eight times against McKinley. Um, he's going to be excited that we beat McKinley. Um, and I think that that's balance for us. I mean, would we like to be 50-50 pass run? Absolutely. In a perfect world, we would, we would run 70 plays and we'd have 35 runs and 35 passes. But that's not the way the game works. And when we're going to take what – um, the defense gives us the majority of the time and, um, you know, put ourselves in position to be successful. So just looking on the off- offensive side of the ball, um, you know, obviously it takes 11 guys to do the job. Um, but when it comes to it, you know, everybody refers to units on the team. You know, you got your, your receiving core, the running backs, quarterback line. Uh, offensively, you know, you have some pass route concepts, you know, where the receivers might do something together that works against the coverage. But ultimately, it's it's a lot more one-on-one with receivers running back with a quarterback. Uh, coaching the line in general, it's, it's very much a unit. One guy, you know, makes a mistake, it probably blows the whole thing up. How, as a coach, do you have to treat that differently than maybe a different position? Well, I... I think to play that position, you have to be a little bit different. You know, to play the offensive line, you're really not playing for yourself. Um, you are playing for the people that are next to you. Um, communication's so big um, up front. Uh, if we're wrong, we, we need to all be wrong. You know, not one guy. You know, we're better off if everybody's wrong as opposed to one guy. Um, so I think that's a big thing uh, with the group is them talking with each other, them communicating with each other. You know, we talk, it sounds like a stupid thing to say, but I always tell them guys, we have no secrets, you know, like if you, if you have a Tom block, let him know you have a Tom block, you know, if you have a, t- whatever the call, whatever we have, don't keep it to yourself. Cause at least make sure the guys next to you are on the same page. Um, you know, and I think that just builds some, um, some trust with those guys. I, I think that's a big thing. You know, they have to trust me and I have to trust them and they have to trust each other. Um, and I think the process of, you know, the way we practice, um, you know, how we, how we work towards a Friday night, um, you know, that builds trust that builds continuity against different defenses every week. Um, the way we work together in the off season does that as well. Um, you know, we do something once a month where we do something non-football related, um, you know, shoot, we went bowling, we've went canoeing one year. Um, we played basketball as a group. We've, we've had pizza, we've had cookouts, we've done all different, you know, video games, many things through the years. Um, you know, just not, not just football, you know, like we got to know each other. We got to build that relationship with each other. Um, because that's who you're playing for up front. You know, we don't score touchdowns, you know, we, we don't have rushing yards. I mean, our running backs get rushing yards, and we like that, but we don't we don't get them individually. Um, so I think that's a big thing that you have to to coach up is it, it it's really a team attitude, you know, and that's really that's kind of been a Coach Simon thing, the trench life. He he kind of created that, and um, he does a lot of that stuff in the off season to create that mentality, and then I'm able to you know kind of jump on that and you know carry it through the spring and and through the summer and into the fall. 
So kind of getting a little bit deeper into like what you said about uh, Coach Simon and the trench life, can you kind of explain what that is? Well, you know, everybody says, you know, that you're playing in the trenches. Um, so that, you know, that's an offensive and defensive line. We used to have um, units when Coach Moore first came and we were one-way players. Um, so the offensive line was called the herd. Um, you know, so, and then the defense line had their name. I think it changed from, you know, cause we had a couple of different D line coaches and they're allowed to, they were allowed to put their own spin on it. Um, so when we ended up going to two way guys, you know, where, where guys are playing both offense and defense, um, you know, we needed kind of needed a name or kind of needed something. Um, and that wasn't something like, I don't think any other group really has that anymore, but I think we just kind of needed an identity. Um, and that's really what what Coach Simon had, had kind of come up with, and, and now it's kind of taken on a little bit of a, a life of its own, which I love. Um, but you know, it's one of those things that the kids do extra. You know, we did extra, um, you know, extra the sled punches all summer long. You know, that last year they did extra sled punches. You know, ton of time they were on the sled um, after every workout. Um, that's another something that's carried over to this year, and then the push-ups, the 15 push-ups. That's at, that wasn't actually a team thing. Um, that was an offensive line thing where every single workout ended with 15 push-ups after the workout, and then that just carried over to where after the wins it became, you know, Coach Simon was blowing the whistle saying trench life, we got to get our push-ups in. And week one it was just the linemen, and then some of the skill guys jumped in, and then now you see. You know, I, I actually see it on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. But that's kind of what it started as. The trench life was, you know, guys that are willing to go above and beyond um, for their team, you know, for the success of the team, to put themselves in position to be successful. And I think it really took off when um, we won the, the sledgehammer that you see Coach Simon walk around with. Um, you know, pregame, that was, that's one of those things the linemen want out there because um, that was one at, at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, we had a seven on seven tournament and an O line camp. And the O line camp was really just a competition. It was like 60 teams. And um, we actually won every event. Um, so it was pretty impressive. And there was like good counsel out of Maryland. Um, I mean, there were some really nationally ranked, um, you know, football teams that were there and their offensive lines were there. And, um, you know, they, and I think it really took off at that point when they, they started to see how good they could be um, because of how strong they were and how hard they worked. Um, and then it's just continued to gain momentum now. And it's, you know, I, I always tell them, you know, that when I talk about defenses, um, I hope this doesn't end up on anybody's uh, bulletin board, but I, I say that, man, they're, they're not about that life. You know, they're not about that trench life. They're not about, you know, whoever we're playing defensively, um, and they better be ready for four quarters to buckle it up because our kids are physical. They come forward. There's no side to side. There's none of that dancing around stuff. And that's all positions um, really on both sides of the ball. But I'm I just talking more offensively. But, you know, our receivers will get after you. Our running backs will get after you. Our fullbacks, our quarterback, you know, he, he pulled it last week and took in the end zone. He wants to get after it. And, you know, that group up front, they just – they pride themselves in, um, you know, just – physically um, imposing that will on a defense um, so that that's kind of really what it's what it's gotten you know what it began with and what it has gotten to now um, you know it's just it's that mentality and you know you just say hey let's see if they're about that life let's see if they're about that trench life you know that that's tremendous as a but I've 
pretty much made it clear as a former offensive lineman, I love to hear that and how much you kind of try to instill that in the current players. Um, kind of shifting more into an X's and O's conversation here is, you know, we saw last week against Walnut Ridge how uh, running just directly into the front can sometimes be not as successful as taking a different approach, like like you said, taking what the defense gives you. Is there a certain point in a game, or is it just more a game-by-game feel, where you go like trying to run power for the sake of imposing your will onto the other team to saying going to what the defense gives you? No, I think I, I think I, I got where you're um, we, against Austin Town Fitch. Um, we threw three long touchdown passes in the first half in our spread set, um, but we continued to come out at the beginning of each drive and run power or run zone because zone's a physical play for us too. Um, but we continue to you know try to establish that line of scrimmage, um, you know, and they were giving us pass looks. I mean, they really were. They were they were giving some pass looks, and we hit them on some deep shots. But um, you know, I, I look at it as kind of a boxing match. You know, you, you still got to take your body blows and your jabs early in the match. You know, so that you can you can have that knockout in the fourth quarter. Um, so we even if somebody comes in and they put you know nine or ten guys in the box, we're probably not going to come out in four wides and throw hitches all day. You know, as much as we could do that, and we'll take that when we feel like we need to take that, and um, you know, we'll make sure that we're successful moving the ball down the field. But we're a physical football team. You know, we're a strong football team with a bunch of kids that are that are tough kids, um, and we still got to feed into that. We can't just line up and throw hitch all day. You know, if they if they're just because we don't have great run looks all the time. Um, you know, doesn't mean we can't physically start to wear them out. And, you know, it, and that worked for us in the fourth quarter of the, the Fitch game. I and mean, we, we took over um, because we continued to, you know, take our shots with those body blows and those, those jabs and, and continue to, you know, those two yard gains, three yard gains suddenly became eight yard gains, nine yard gains, 10 yard gains. And, um, you know, you don't want to do it to where you're, you're limiting yourself offensively or you're putting yourself behind the, 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 you know, down in distance, you don't want to end up in third and nine all the time. But if you're getting three, four yards in the second quarter, you know, those, that better be four or five in the third quarter. And the next thing you know, it's, you know, eight, nine or 10 in the fourth. Like you said about, you know, taking what the defense gives you and passing the ball when you need it. I'll get to that in a bit, but when you really need to get down and you run the ball, uh, all I hear from the rest of the crowd around me is, you need to get under center. You, you know, you need to get under there, run the ball. Can you explain to people why we can run the ball just fine out of our kind of offset pistol shotgun look? Because, I mean, I don't think we can get much better than about five yards a pop on a run play. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Did you call it the offset pistol shotgun? I really like that. I, I don't. I didn't have a name for it. Um, I've never really um, done it exactly how we've we've kind of evolved now. So I, I'm going to steal that if you don't mind. <laughs> That's all um, you, I, Coach Trox and I, and, and Coach what, our offense staff offset pistol shotgun. I like. I really do. Um, yeah, we we went under center a couple times. Quarterback sneaked. We ran wedge last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but and just for other people, and wedge is. Wedge would be where we hand it off to the tailback, yeah. um, you know, and, and he's getting in behind the lineman instead of 
I like a quarterback sneak, you know, where, where we're just directly snapping it to, to Aiden and he's the one getting the push. And um, it just gives us a, a little bit different look and, you know, gives it to somebody that's got a, you know, got a little, a little bit of a running start. Gives you the ability to also jump over the pile. But with with the, you know, the under center stuff and, and the shotgun stuff, um, you know, as a, it's just like talking earlier about power, um, you know, I feel like it's really hard to be good at both of them. You know, there are teams out there that do it. Don't get me wrong. There, there's, you know, obviously a lot of college and NFL teams that do it all the time. Um, but if I feel like if you're at, at the high school level, um, you almost have to be one or the other. You know, like if you're going to be fully committed to being an offense. Um, and for us, we run a lot of, you know, 1990 principles out of, you know, shotgun. Um, we do some of the same exact things that a lot of people do from um, from under center. But for us, a big part of our game is um, some of the quick screen stuff that we do, um, getting the ball on the edge, depending on what the defense is doing to us. And we can't do that out of under center. Um, so then we'd be limiting our offense a little bit because, you know, Coach Trox, I mean, our offensive staff, you know, you'll hear me talk about Coach Trox a lot through here and Coach Miller and, and Coach Weber. Coach Roddy does a great job. Um, Coach Dickroof, everybody, our, our entire offensive staff is is fantastic. But we're true believers in um, whoever finishes with the marker last wins. And any argument on the board between an offensive staff member and a defensive staff member, the person that puts the cap on the marker wins. Okay, so for us in shotgun, the way that we do it, um, we feel like in a lot of our plays, we are reading somebody, whether the people in the stands know it or, or you know, your, your, your average football um, you know, person might not know it. But a lot of times we're reading somebody. Um, and if we're doing that and, and the way that we set up our offense allows us to do that, we end up with the marker last because if this guy does this, we do this. If this guy doesn't, we do this. So instead of us having to check a lot of plays, the plays are almost checked because our quarterback can make so many decisions. All right. So kind of getting into some of the different play calls and variations that we have, uh, Trox talked on it a little bit last week. Uh, whereas every team forms an identity and you can kind of have um, repetition in the way you line up, you might do something tendencies more often. Uh, where is the balance as a play caller of, you know, not wanting to give off the same tendency. So probably splitting up your looks and also trying to catch a team off guard. Hey, that is, that's a tough, it's a tough, thing to find it's to find that balance where um you're not putting too much on your kid's plate you know yeah we can draw up all kinds of things where we're in a you know overload heavy set um and and we're you know unbalanced and we have all these things going on but we also have to rep it you know so you have to rep it in practice and if you're repping in practice to run what once or twice a game um you know that's that's practice reps you're taking away from the real plays that you want to run 10, 15 times a game against multiple looks. Um, so a lot of the things that we do are adjustments in personnel groups. They're adjustments in you know formations. They're adjustments and alignments. Um, but a lot of the things are just they're variations of the same plays. 
um, variations of the same blocking schemes, um, variations of the same pass concepts with one or two guys tagged into a different you know, different route. Um, to the defense, it could look like an entirely different play, and that's the goal. Um, but really, we the base concepts are pretty pretty much the same. So we're trying to, um, you know, when, when we're watching film, we're trying to find ways that we can gain an advantage. Um, you know, my goal every single every single week is to find ways that I can put um, Jameer, Zion, Marcellus, um, Preston Hodges, any of the guys that are that are you know playing tailback, where I can get them one on one with the safety. You know, because you, you can't block everybody. You know, you got the quarterback, he's he's one, now you're down to 10, and you're handing it to the running back, hey, that makes you nine, now you're nine against 11. If I can get them one-on-one with the safety out of certain looks, I feel like that's what I'm hoping for, um, you know, in the run game and play calling in the run game, um, to have everybody accounted for. So uh, this kind of stems off that a little bit uh, maybe not as applicable to us in general but just conceptually uh, when it comes to not even really trick plays but like something that might be you know completely different than what you've been doing all year would you find it more beneficial to do it earlier in the year so everybody has it on film and they have to prepare for it or would you rather catch them off guard uh, really that's you know we don't really think about it like that um, you know, I don't really think about running things at a certain time of the year or a certain part of the season. Some people might, but I don't. Um, I don't believe Coach Trox does. It's not something that we, you know, we discuss like, hey, let's get this early. Now, if we ran something, a trick play that was really effective like six weeks ago, um, it might be something we're repping again because we know if we exchange the last three films um, that they might not have it on film. But that you know, if it's a really good trick play, it can be called at the right time and be effective, even if they've repped it or not. Um, and, and we're not a big trick play team. You know, we have them, you know, we've used them. We, we, we've hit a couple, we hit, you know, big one in the playoff game last year. We hit a big one, real big one against East St. Louis. Um, we should have had a big one. And I don't even know if anybody realizes that it was a trick play against McKinley. Um, oh man, I, we just missed the corner and we had a guy, you know, and he it, it just they had a little pressure off the edge, and you know the guy the guy peeked back in thinking he needed to help, and then he was late on the corner. Um, we we knew they were really aggressive, and so we had a fake reverse and just waited and waited and waited and dialed it up right there, and um, it, it would have been I it, it would have brought the house down. I mean, it was it was going to be sweet, but you know it's all about timing and execution, and um, you know. It, when you watch our practice, you know, you see it on Monday and it's not, ah, that doesn't, you know, there's a perfect example. East St. Louis, um, you know, that, that reverse pass back to Aiden, um, was just ugly on Monday. And then we ran it twice on Monday, twice on Tuesday, twice on Wednesday, once on Thursday, home run touchdown on Friday. And it's like, every time we ran it, 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 steadily improved and looked better and then you know by the time the sixth or seventh time you've run it you can start being hey make sure that you really you know we're when we hand that to him that we're really riding that fake out and that Jaden's getting the ball you know closer to his hip that Aiden's kind of checking the edge and then really you know you can really go details on that so we don't rep a whole bunch of trick plays the ones that we have we try to rep multiple times through the week 
kind of jumping off that, um, is there any kind of balance you find between, say, you know, running your offense, doing what you do, versus putting something on film to make the defense spend their practice reps preparing for it for you on Friday? Well, that's yeah, that's happened. I mean, that, that's we uh, we will do some things and put it on film and run some things um, if it's beneficial to us. And not beneficial to us just to put on film, um, but beneficial to us in the game we're playing. You know, I, I remember us prepping for a team, um, actually our week nine opponent. They the game would be over in the fourth quarter, in a, in a couple of their games that we were um, we were you know at in, entering the information and the data for, and suddenly they were bringing like three linebackers and running cross stunts and and they were playing base defense the entire game but when the game was over they're throwing all these stunts in there um and and it had to be just so that when the offenses are breaking it down or maybe they're just trying something to see if it works for them um so that that kind of that kind of jumped out for me as something i think they were just doing that so that when you run your report you're like oh they bring this sam c mike b will three they brought it three times you know like it's not really how it how their defense play. They're kind of a base defense. Um, we'll do some things that you know maybe come out and double tight. You know maybe come out and just one tight end, three receivers. Maybe come out and three receivers and a fullback and tailback and have a little bit of a different look. As long as it doesn't change our identity, we're not going to just put something on film because we want to put it on film. It has to fit within the framework of our offense. So kind of another. X's and O's question here. Um, our our pass pro has been tremendous this year. I know Aiden's only had a handful of sacks. Most of those have been blown assignments. I know one for sure was a covered sack. Um, and I even went on a little bit of a rant, uh, like week three or four, about how much I don't like full slide protection, which is just there real quick. The entire line slides one way, and one of the backs has to take the end on the, the way they're sliding away from that I had to cut out because of time. But um, our, how has our pass pro just – they're playing out of their minds this year. How has it improved and kind of a, a tangentially to that? We haven't really run any of that full slide stuff. Why to that as well? Well, I think you should have kept your rant in about full slide because um, I feel about the same about it. I, if you're, it doesn't make sense to me to put a running back or a fullback onto a defensive end. You know, I mean, you're you're, you're sliding away. Um, from a guy, usually that's that's kind of the point of attack, um, you know, or, or where your quarterback's looking, you know. I mean, that's you're you're sliding to the quarterback's backside, um, and you're putting two backs. That's not normally what they do. That's not what they practice. Um, you know, they might practice it some, but it's not what they do for practice the entire time. You're asking them to do something that's that's out of their comfort zone. So you won't see us really do full slide unless. Um, we have a version of it um, where we handle things a little bit differently, but um, where we're trying to get the edge. Um, you know, our, our you know our our sprint out protection is a version of of full slide, and um, but that's different to me. What you're asking them to do there is not you know run up and hit a defensive end and block them for three, four, five seconds. Um, I think part of it, you know, with our our offensive line and 
Um, it's the off season work they put in, you know, it's in the weight room. It's, um, in the indoor, you know, I'm allowed to work with, you know, seven kids at a time. Uh, we started that February 1st in the morning, you know, we go 5:45, and, um, you know, we'll go f- at 45 minutes and then I'll have another seven kids come in. So that's 14 kids a week that are, um, we, we meet, you know, one day a week. I don't want to burn them out, um, in February, but you know, we, you meet one day a week and, um, we really went to, um, a lot of the O-line performance, um, ideas and principles, which is Charles Bentley's, uh, offensive line Academy that he has in Arizona. He actually started in Cleveland. Um, but we use their bags, we use their strike stick, we use their kickboard. Um, we do a lot of things, um, drills in the off season. Um, we do a lot of the drills that he, um, kind of pushes with some of the higher level linemen. Um, we went to a seminar, JP, myself and coach, uh, Moore did, um, two years ago. Um, and that's where it was like, it was almost like a light bulb came on to, you know, it's not really a kick slide because you really need to push off your inside foot. So he calls it drive catch. You know, when you kick slide, you're stepping with your outside foot and then you're kind of dragging your inside foot. Um, but really it's, it's really a drive catch is what he calls it. Um, and you're actually pushing off your inside foot and just coming to balance with your outside. Um, and then the way that he gets in a stance is a little bit different. So a lot of those kids have picked up on those things in the, in the off season carried um, those things over into the season that just put them in, um, you know, better fundamental position to, to do their job. And then just like our run game, um, we try to keep our base pass pro concepts pretty simple um, so that we can be good against any front you give us and good against any um, blitz you give us. And um, a lot of those things of being assignment sound, one, we have really smart players. We have, you know, physical quick you know athletic offensive linemen um, but they're really smart and the same thing that carries over with the run game is communication you know if everybody's on the same page even if we're on the wrong page as long as we're on there together um, you know then we, we make sure that we're handling the guys that we need to be handling and we're making the calls we need to be making and um, you know and we rep a part a big part of what we do and I think some of the success that we've had offensively is the way we practice. Um, that's something I, I love to talk about is how we we don't have seven on seven. We don't believe I don't believe in seven on seven. You know, what at what point is a quarterback get to drop back and look in front of him with no offensive linemen and throw the ball all over the field? Like I would love to play quarterback in that. Like I think that would be pretty easy. I throw the ball pretty well. Um, but we we do what we call blitz pickup. You know, which a lot of people do, and they do that just with the linemen and the fullback and the tailback, and that's that's all great. And they step up, and you work on blitzes. Well, ours is team blitz pickup, so it's really team pass. So we line up, and we bring all the blitzes at the offensive line that we think the defense is going to bring, and we rotate all the coverages just how that team rotates them. But we do it with everybody. So the receivers are finding the spots that they need to find. The quarterback's getting the ball out on time. Our backs are stepping up and blocking who they're supposed to be blocking. And I think that's been a big evolution for us. We started that last season of really going into full team pass type stuff. And I think that's we've, we've improved in the pass pro from that. Um, because of all those things, you know, our, our quarterback's on time. I mean, our quarterback's really smart. He knows where to go with the ball. And we're giving him the looks. Really, we're trying to run the, the most difficult look into every single play, especially, you know, I, I mentioned on Monday and Tuesday, we try to make practice harder than the games. We're Whatever play, whatever blitz is, is, makes, is really hard for this protection to, 
to pick up. That's what we're getting on Monday and Tuesday every single time. So I think that has carried over to, to Friday nights for us that, you know, the quarterback knows, okay, here comes this pressure. Here's where I go with the ball. The back knows, oh, I saw this on Tuesday. I'm going to step up, and right here's where I need to read the, the lineman. Well, that guy went all the way to A-gap, so I can bypass him and handle this backer in B. There's just so many moving parts. And if you don't work them all together, I don't think that you can effectively do that um, at the rate that we're doing it. Yeah, kind of along the lines of like the pass pro and all that stuff. Um, you know, you hear a lot of talk in the NFL about that they're not getting good linemen prospects. You know, and the big criticism is these guys they they've been at two point stance their entire career. You know, they don't have their hand in the dirt. To where we have you know our offensive line, all of the guys are down in a three point stance. Um, can you kind of? explain the difference maybe development wise between be going up through a three-point stance versus two-point stance well we want to go forward you know i i think with the way offenses have evolved and it's almost turned into um you know basketball on grass that's not our style you know we want to go forward you want to go forward why would you do that out of a two-point stance for me the number one thing i want to do is put myself in position to own the line of scrimmage by moving forward. So from there, what I need to be able to do is keep my weight balanced enough that we can pass pro. And I think people that are, you know, that start in a two point stance are thinking I need to be able to get out of the stance to pass pro and then find a, find a way to run block from here. You know, and that's just not how I think. You know, I think we're a power run team first. Let's make sure that we're balanced enough to be able to do this other job that we have to do. But as long as we're controlling the line of scrimmage, you know, we're going to keep running power. And I think that when it comes to the NFL stuff, I mean, that's it's kind of a progression as, you know, the NFL still more zone and they run some power and some ISO and those types of things as to where college level is more zone read. Um, for the most part, a lot of teams are, and, and the offenses seem to be different. So that just hasn't like caught up to that yet. So what they're asking these NFL offense alignment to do, it's different than what a lot of them have had to do in high school and what a lot of them have had to do in college. Um, one of the big things for me is I talk to my kids that are playing college football. You know, I talk to Thayer, I talk to Chris Anthony, I talk to Vinny McConnell, I talk to those guys and, um, Hey, what's, what do you guys do? You know, when they come back in the summertime, what do you guys do? You know, what's some of the drills that you do? What's some, now coach, we're, we're pretty similar to, to what we do, you know, or what I, what we did together. Um, so that's always nice to hear. And now if there's something different, you know, Thayer brings me back stuff all the time. Now it's also um, an advantage that his offensive line coach at Ohio State was my offensive line coach. So that's pretty, that was my college offensive line coach, Greg Stradrala. So I, I mean, I can go down there and, and get whatever I want. And part of our film and huddle is Ohio State's summer drill tape. And a lot of those drills we already did. So his transition was a little bit easier. But I asked those kids, um, you know, so that we can do things. Because as long as it fits within what we're doing, I would like to put them in the best position I can to succeed, succeed at that level. Because as they succeed, we succeed. You know, I mean, we want to see them do well. And, you know, it. The drills, the new things, the different versions of things, you know, it's all great. And as long as it's something that fits within a play of what we do, I'm all about it. 
I think one of the reasons, too, that we've had some success with guys their transition to college is our drills and things that we do to Coach Dickerhoof and myself um, with the offensive linemen, they are – we don't just do drills to do drills. We don't do the same um, drill every single day, the same footwork drill. We don't, we don't do that. We do exactly what I was taught in college where if we're struggling at something or something's a really key block for that week, that's what we drill during individual you know, during the summer and during the, you know, February, March, when I have the time that I can work with those kids and I'm allowed to work with those kids, that's when I work on base steps and I work on all those things. Right now, um, you know, starting, you know, probably the last week of July, we start, you know, breaking down our plays and drilling the different things that we need to do within that play. It's no longer, all right, we're doing our footwork on boards every single day. Come on, that's monotonous to everybody. You know, and then so when the kids transfer to that that college level, at least our kids, I think that's what colleges do is they break down. All right, we're struggling at this part. You know, our our guard blocking a one technique in pass pro, we're struggling at that. So, well, that's what we're going to drill. You know, and we have some pre practice time that I get to still um, when you know Coach Jarvis uh, does his nice long special teams period. Um, you know, we don't as a coaching staff, none of us, we don't sit around. You know, if we don't have a special team's responsibility. You'll see the quarterbacks throwing end zone balls to the receivers. You'll see offensive linemen working um, a lot of individual drills during that time where we're working footwork or we're working, you know, those difficult blocks for the week. We're trying to steal every minute we can in practice. Um, anytime we have any free time we have, it's not free time. Our kids do not get free time. The moment they step on the field, everybody has to be working and we take every minute that we can. Um, so hopefully that, Someday, you know, five, eight years from now, those same NFL guys can say, "Man, those uh, mass, those former Maslin Tigers, they had a, they, they're developed." You know, that's a word we like to use. They're they're developed. So going along with your practices, you said Monday and Tuesday, you, you try to make them as hard as possible through every look at them that they might see on Friday because you never know what you're going to get. Um, I know you said Walnut Ridge did some things differently. You know, as does everybody. Uh, what did we see last week with Walnut Ridge and even looking forward, you know, what can we expect with Whitehall? Well, Walnut Ridge came out in a, in a five-man front, um, but it's not like your typical bear front. It was kind of a combination of, of an under front and a bear together. They had two, three techniques, so guys lined up outside the guards, um, and then they had a one technique in A-gap, and he was in the A-gap of our fullback. Um, so then they had also had two five techniques, um, and then had you know two three backers in the box, or they would walk guys up off the edge. I thought they they had a really good plan defensively. They would not allow us to attack them as much vertically as they were bringing bringing some things off the edge. And they lined up in an odd, um, which is a three man front three four, very similar to how we play. Um, an under front, which is very similar to how we play as well. I keep hitting this thing; um, this throws me off. But um, they they. Uh, did it did multiple things on defense multiple looks and they they were smart they knew that they could come off the edge with some speed they have some talented guys uh number four and number 99 are both guys that could run really well i mean instead of standing in and putting those guys inside the box and trying to take on our big physical guys they widened them out and pinched them off the edge um so they they got us early a couple times i mean a couple of those um, you know, loss yardage runs that we had. I, I bet we had as many in that game as we'd had all year. 
Um, but we were able to get things kind of dialed in, not quite as quickly as I would have liked. And I think a little bit of that might have been um, from having a little bit shorter week of practice, you know, another day, some more reps. Um, you know, we, we, we just didn't come out um, as quickly as I would have liked to have come out and didn't adjust as quickly as we would have liked to have just as a coaching staff. And that's on us. I mean, we make mistakes too. We need to get into a little bit better look, a little bit faster than what we did. And um, that's something we'll have corrected. Yeah, you know, I thought as far as offensively, we were, it was an entire just perfect storm of McKinley hangover, trying to break in a new full bag, just a few missed keys, uh, the defense coming out in a different look that we hadn't seen before. And that's just kind of what happened in, you know, the first quarter, quarter and a half. Uh, defensively, I thought we played great all game. Um, I think it was Coach Jar on here that said, you know, other teams' offenses can't change up as much as a defense can. And I thought we played them just very strong. We only gave up one defensive touchdown, um, not to single them out, but Broyles had either he either slipped, turf monster gets you sometimes, or he went for the ball a hair too early. Um, I know for most of the season, the refs kind of picked on him a little bit because he gets a little handsy, but really he, he plays good as far as I can tell. And if he would change up his game a little bit because of that, I don't know, but it happens. You know, this is high school ball. Like you said, these are 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. But overall, defensively, we we played great. Offensively, after we adjusted, we kind of – we almost did what we wanted. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, with the front they were running, you know how you said they changed it up, and – we kind of, especially on that last drive, we changed up our game plan a little bit, how we went to more zone looks. Can you kind of get into why we did that? Well, they were overloading the fullback, and we have runs away from the fullback in. Um, but are we ch- And we were actually ran it on, I think, our third series, the same run that you've seen us run later in the game. Um, but it's another one of those things. It was like a seven-yard run or six-yard run. Um, later in the game, they were multiple, you know, 10-yard explosive runs um, because I think we had worn the front down some. But we also, you know, had a tight end in later in the game that we didn't have in early in the game. Um, it's just, you know, working through your looks to find the best um, run situation that you have against them. And we had some that we liked. Um, earlier in the game and and sometimes you know we were we were running the ball and we probably should have been tag screening and that's not on the quarterback you know maybe that's on me um, making sure that it's called into the right formation Um, you know there's just so many so many factors going into it and and we felt like with the gap stuff um, they were doing a nice job of knifing and kind of pinching down off the edge um, so with the zone stuff, you kind of let them go to the gap that you, that they want to go to, and the next guy kind of pushes that lineman through. So it, it's another way to attack kind of a, their quickness. 
you know, where as we're power, we're really trying to, we're trying to force our way straight up field and we're creating a, you know, we're creating a wall and we're kicking and we're, you know, moving this wall with the down block as we're zone, you know, if you're knifing and moving and twisting and doing all those things, um, we're kind of letting you get in the gap that you want to get into. And then we're working our combos up to the next level. So it was really, um, something we ran earlier in the game, not quite as effectively, um, but we really got away from, you know, we, we really started attacking the edges, throwing the ball um, in the second quarter and then into the third quarter. And then when we needed to get back into the run stuff, that's that's kind of the route we went. You know, and like you said, with throwing the ball, I know Morgan, he had a couple drops early, but he's fighting through a broken knuckle. You know, I don't want to be up in the stands and hear about, oh, you got to catch the ball there. Like, no, it. He has a splint, a pad, and tape around his hand. You know, he said in the Boots Club meeting, "There's no excuses." You know, it, like, he's got to make that catch. But sometimes you got to give the kid a little slack. And you, from row W, yelling down at him, <laughs> not helping the case at all. So you know, he kind of fixed it up. He got back into it, and yeah, I don't. I mean, I hope. Coach Moore doesn't get too mad at me for for mentioning this, but he, um, yeah, he had his hands the specialist at at the game, and uh, you know he had a splint on in the first half, and then they decided to um, kind of tape something new on there in the second half, and he seemed like in the second half he was able to um, catch the ball better. Um, you know, Trey's not a kid that's ever going to make an excuse, so I'll make the excuse for him. Um, those are the type of balls that without that splint. There, there's no doubt that those are not dropped. But we could have also put the ball in a little bit better position. Uh, one of them, Aiden, got a little bit of pressure where we could have kept him, you know, kept Aiden a little bit more clean, and I think he'd have had a more, little more time to lead it out in front. There's just so many factors involved that that person in row W, the only thing they're seeing is, you know, the, us not get, com- you know, get the ball completed. But there's five or six different things that are, um, you know, a part of that. And one of them is, you know, one of the, the best football players I've ever been around has, you know, had a broken knuckle. And he's worked through it every day. And you know, he's had a great week of practice. And, you know, he had that on a short week. And it wasn't like he was able to practice every single day. So, you know, you're, you're talking about a kid that's fighting through for his team. You know, could have easily been standing on the sideline and nobody would have said anything about it because he's he was a kid with a broken knuckle. But he's out there, you know, gritting it out, blocking tag screens, doing all the things that Trey Morgan does. Um, you know, and just, just proud to have that kid on our team. And I, I, can, I, I go to go play some football games with him any day of the week. One other guy that I think really he had himself a game that a lot of people might not notice Ballard yeah. you know his final stat line uh I think just under 10 catches for 80 some yards a couple touchdowns but I think almost any pass play we could have thrown it to him he was open he beat that corner almost the entire game um and you know whether a didn't see him or he wasn't part of the read whatever uh can you kind of talk to the development of Ballard and you know what he's shown up to this point well that's credit to Kale Miller our receivers coach and to uh, uh, coach Trox for the the past game stuff that they've they've worked through together um, and the work that he's put in I mean Jaden Ballard comes to practice every day and, and gets after it I mean I think people 
don't realize even people right in the program not just people around the program on the outside that he's a sophomore you know i remember myself as a sophomore i i'm not sure i went to work every day like Jaden ballard does you know i like to think maybe i did but i'm not sure i did he comes and he he works really hard um, he's focused on the details. His blocking is improved. He's just becoming an all-around receiver. His route running is fantastic. I mean, you see his speed. You see him run by people, but you know, watch him run a, you know, watch, watch him run a deep out route. You know, at ten yards. Some of the things that we've done at times before halftime. I mean, I, they have to know he's running an out, and he still spins corners around, and it's because his footwork is so good and, and his balance and all the things that he's doing he's just becoming a really polished receiver and I think him being around you know a Trey Morgan and you know an Adric Ford and you know a Dean Clark and a Kashan Mack and, and all the guys in Austin Kutcher last year they, it's just been a really great group of kids in, in the receiver group and, and that's that's not even naming all of them um, but just a really great group of kids and they have such a good culture in that in that receiver group that you know they go and compete every single day in practice. I mean, they're just competing, and that's what he's doing, and he's reaping the benefits of that now. Um, yeah, we could have could have gotten them over top a few times because you know they sent number thirteen a really good corner who was also the receiver that you were talking about on a couple of those offensive plays that they had. He's a committed to Cincinnati, and he's a really really good player. Um, they sent him to Trey. Um, and matched up another kid who who was you know had some speed too against Jaden, but um, Jaden had him turned around and Jaden was behind him a few times. And sometimes you know the ball's delivered you know somewhere else before that you know before you actually see Jaden get behind him. But um, I thought he had a fantastic night. And maybe not his best stat night. You know I think he's he's had a, you know some games with a couple seventy yard receptions, but um, it was probably his most complete night as a receiver. Yeah, that's definitely one of those games where even if he didn't already have the Ohio State offer, that they'd look at that tape and probably offer him the next day. Yeah. Um, just kind of putting a bow on Walnut Ridge. You know, I, I thought our special teams overall did pretty good. We had the one miscue, but again, these are kids. It happens. Uh, looking ahead a little bit to uh, Whitehall, I didn't realize last week when I kind of got into their offense that, you know, uh, Coach Trox also does their cards, so he knows a little bit what they look like. So I'll ask you first, do you have any idea what their offense looks like? I have a little bit of an idea. Um, Coach Dickerhoof actually works with um, that group directly. I'm kind of just on the edge there, kind of on the outside. He's up in the huddle every single time. But um, their offense quarterback, a really talented kid, um, big play QB number one. Um, I mean, he's a good runner, passer. Um, yeah, he can do everything. I mean, he really can. He's a really talented guy. Um, number two is one of their receivers. Um, they're in. They're very multiple offensively. Um, you know, sometimes they'll be in. You know, like us, and you know, three wide receivers, a fullback, and a tailback. Um, sometimes they'll be in. Um, you know, three by one. And a lot of times they do it with the same personnel group. Um, big running back, number eight, not real, real tall, but like a 240-pound kid. Um, you know, I've watched a good amount of film on him. I always peek on the other side. I um, try to stay focused on my side, but, you know, you, you like to, you know, 
do we have to score every single time or you know mm-hmm. one of those things luckily we got a great defensive staff and a really good you know really good defense with great kids and um but you, you try to you know peek over there um but yeah they they got some talented kids number fives are fullback um he's he's a big kid he also plays middle linebacker and i think he's their best defensive player so i really watched him on offense because i was watching him so much on defense um one big thing i think that you guys are you're gonna like to know is um they run trick plays like they're a part of their offense like hook and ladder is like iso to them i mean they they run trick plays like i've never seen another team run trick plays i mean all kinds of stuff they have a hook you know a regular hook and ladder a hook and ladder like the old um down the middle of the field catch it and flip it to a guy running the other way i mean they're they take shots with their trick plays and do multiple multiple things um it's it's pretty impressive to to watch i i can't imagine practicing that many things in a week but they get them run and they run them effectively now they're doing it um you know with with some good really good athletes Um, so they they have a lot of guys that they they like to get the ball in their hands in space yeah like you said they about the trick plays um i think one thing that struck me is they had a lot of success off of those trick plays against poor execution on defense so that's one thing that i look for on uh friday night that you know they're gonna have some they're probably gonna struggle with that a little bit unless they just pull something out of somewhere that we've never seen before that just throws all of our base you know fundamentals all out of whack that you know they're gonna have trouble kind of throwing us off um kind of getting back into the base offense they'll go four wide uh two back they like the two by two split back with a tight end i know we heard a lot of rumblings like in early in the week about oh they're an option offense yeah they run a lot of option but they also run a lot of just called qb runs you know their whole offense runs through that quarterback He's also their kick returner on uh, kickoff a little bit. I don't know if it's full-time or if it was just special uh, occasion. He's their punter. But the kid is an athlete, you know. It, you want As a coaching staff, you'd want the ball in his hands. Um, he's, he doesn't have that many passing yards, I think under 1,000. But rushing yards, it's close to Jameer. And it, it's a different – it's an entire different scheme, entire different – you know, different defenses they're playing, but to have like sixteen hundred rushing yards—that's that, still special. Oh, absolutely. He's he's a special talent, and number two is similar to him. Like they do a lot of different things. I think to really just try to get the ball in those two guys' hands. You know, similar to how do we how we do. Um, you know, a lot of different formations, personnel groupings, and different ways to protect our best plays. Um, and, and to get the ball in our best players' hands, they do the same thing, um, you know, just out of more spread looks and you know a little bit more multiple with a little bit more trick play uh, flair to it. But it's really the same idea. So yeah, their defensive front they seem to kind of they look like they want to get after it. You know, they from most teams they played they were kind of not living in the backfield but getting some pretty good push up front. What are we expecting from them up front? Really, last week's um, 
defensive game plan, I think, is something similar. They're, they're towns right next to each other. I'm sure the staffs know each other. And usually, you know, Coach Moore, I think, mentioned in the Booster Club that um, offensive and defenses, offensive and defensive teams, like, kind of get like a regional feel. And that regional feel, you know, like a lot of teams up here are like the 4-3, almost Michigan State type stuff. You know, Michigan State cover four. Well, similar to, you know, we do a little bit of that. Um, you know, just a lot. Glen Oak did that a ton until this year, and St. V's did that, and you know Hoban did some of that. There's just so many teams because you can travel to Michigan State, and and they've had so much success defensively. A lot of people, you know, get that stuff. So that's kind of a regional thing. Well, down there, it seems to be more of like the odd stack, um, or I'm sorry, odd front, um, with the ability to bring guys in and get into a three-man stack, um, three three-man box uh, with the the three linebackers in there, but. Then, then they shift over and almost have a four-down lineman look. Um, they have a five-down lineman look. Um, we never really see six-down linemen, but they'll put five guys down and then walk a guy up off the edge, very similar to what we saw last week. Um, so it, it's really a great um, you know, challenge for us because there were times where we struggled to run the ball last week. Um, some of it was schematic and some of it was execution. Um, so now we hope that we have those things cleaned up, uh, the schematic part, and then we've been working all week with a good full week of practice to get that execution down. Um, and we think we have a pretty good feel on the, the multiple looks that they're going to give us, so there shouldn't be any surprises for our kids. Now, they could come out in something that we haven't seen. They could come out in you know a different version with a different blitz that they have not shown. But we also try to add some things um, maybe they have not done this blitz, but this is something they might do because of the formation we're in. We try to do that throughout the week, even if it's something they haven't shown on film. It might be something that, you know, as an O-line, you know, my background's O-line, I'm looking at it like, man, if I was the defensive guy and I had this alignment against this, you know, offensive formation, I think I would really want to bring pressure here. You know, so that's what I'll do sometimes, even if they haven't shown it on film. If I think it's a way they might try to attack us, um, I'll, I'll draw that up and make sure that we're ready for that. So I really like our plan this week. We we refocused on some of the things that we do well, which is adjusted due to, you know, you're always going to have personnel changes. We had, you know, an injury week 10 that, um, you know, really it, it hurt us. You know, he, he was a really important part of our offense, um, you know, with our, with our fullback, you know, with getting hurt and. Um, you know, he, he did a great job all year. Now we got some guys that it's time for them to step up and make some plays. And, you know, we, you know, have to, um, focus on the things that we do well with the guys that, that we have going forward, which I think we really refocused this week and have set up a great plan as an offensive staff, you know, all the guys together involved and, um, you know, hopefully putting us in the best position to be successful against the multiple fronts that they'll show us. Yeah, so just kind of putting a bow on it. Um, defensively for us, I think we can, you know, they did they look good, not great, but not really bad as far as the front goes. I think we can kind of live in their backfield a little bit, not necessarily with blitzing, even though I assume we're going to bring some pressure, you know, put it on the quarterback a little bit, especially with as much as he likes to run it. Um, I, I think we can really get after the quarterback that way. Uh, not really leave him much room for passing. There's, you know, they got some athletes, but nobody that really tends to outmatch our guys out wide. Uh, special teams wise, they're 
good, not great. You know, it, they it it they it got them to week twelve in the playoffs. Um, I think as far as that goes, we are very good special teams. I know Coach Jar's got everybody X's nose wise, fantastic. Execution wise, the kids have been great all year. Um, and really, the only other thing is they've got a bunch of corners that the tallest one's six foot. So I'm going to love to see, you know, I'm not going to ask you on here. I'd love to ask you next week after we get it done. And, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to see how we take advantage of that. And, you know, hopefully we come out of uh, Arlen Field over in Mansfield with the W. Yeah, so like you said, uh, you know, the game is down at Arlen Field in Mansfield. Uh, we were there last year. Uh, there were some issues down there last year, but supposedly that has all been taken care of. Uh, Mansfield has hired extra security for the parking lots. Extra. Uh, as well as, yeah, you know, I didn't see any security last year. But they hired extra extra security. They also installed extra lights, supposedly. Extra. Um, so, I mean, it, it should be a better environment than it was last year. There's definitely a spotlight on what happened last year. Uh, everybody knows about it. OHSA knows about it, so it should be taken care of. Uh, we're excited to see all of the fans down there. Um, I, you know, as much as I love playing in Paul Brown Tiger Stadium, you know, I, I also like going on the road. You know, it, it kind of seems like uh, the core group of fans that go to some of these away games, it's just a little bit stronger of a vibe. You, you get a a little bit more of a connection in the stand. So I'm definitely excited to get down there. I hope, you know, everybody else can get down there as well. It's supposed to be a little cold, but, you know, that's never stopped us before. We got a, a couple more weeks ahead of us. It's just going to get colder, so you better get used to it. And with that, uh, we're going to get right into wrapping up this podcast with uh, what we do at the end of every interview with one of our guests, uh, some rapid-fire questions. So Hank and I are just going to go back and forth with some questions. A lot of them are repeats. If you heard them before, that's all right. We're going to get your take on them. Uh, just go back and forth. The idea is to rattle off answers as quick as possible. All right, Coach? Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, go ahead. Start it off, Hank. On to me. Thank you. All right. If you could only have a shirt either two sizes too big or one size too small, what would you go with? Two sizes too big. That's ridiculous that anybody said the small thing before. I heard them all say it, and they have no. They obviously are not big people. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. One of these days, we're going to guest on my. We're going to get a guest on my side, and I'm going to be a very happy camper. <laughs> not today. Not today. Not today. Go to pump up song. Wow. We ready. Ooh, I like that. I haven't heard it yet, but that's a classic. We uh, we used to chant that in the tunnel in on our tunnel. way out to Bowling yeah. Green. We would chant it as, I mean, every one of the, just the players. It wasn't mm-hmm. played or anything, but yeah. we had our own little version of it. So absolutely, we ready. We had something really similar, too. Uh, how many states have you been to? Wow. I would say over 20. Definitely over 20. I have one here. Favorite hobby? Well, I am the girls' bowling coach, so I like to bowl. Um, I also like to golf. My game is not as good um, as it was uh, pre-kids or uh, pre-coming to Maslin. Um, A little busy these days, but 
Um, bowling and golf, definitely. What TV sitcom could you see yourself being a part of? Uh, Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> well, that would be a biker. How great would that be? That'd be great. All right. Um, they make a movie about your life. Who plays you? John Goodman. John Goodman. Perfect fit. Big Perfect. guy, great voice, right? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> what was your first car? Uh, 1987 Honda Civic CRX. It could it could fit in this room. <laughs> Honda Civic, I love it. Um, how do you drink your coffee? Well, that's that all depends. Oh, at home, um, at home, I I drink black coffee. Um, if I'm going out somewhere, and I get made fun of for this, but I'm I mean I'm an honest guy. Uh, caramel macchiato. Oh God. And I I mean. They can make fun of me if they want. That stuff is good. You gotta stick with the black, coach. Come on. Uh, I, if I'm at home, it's it's black. But if I go to Tremont, caramel macchiato. All right. There's your plug there, Tremont Coffee. <laughs> How many chickens would it take to beat up an elephant? Um, twenty. <laughs> Any reason behind that, or is it just twenty? Um. Uh, there's no real reason behind that. <laughs> Is there a reason behind the question of that? It's, it's yeah, you know. It's, all right, not including not including the lizard man. Your favorite conspiracy theory? I'm not really into that type of stuff. I, I, you know, the lizard man. That that one's really taken on a life of its own, right? I mean, yeah. I've heard that one a yeah. couple times, but um, I, I don't really have any of those. I I just not a. I'm not a believer in that type of stuff. Aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot. No, I mean, I, sure. I mean, I'm sure they probably <laughs> exist somewhere. I'm sure there's aliens out there somewhere. I don't, you know. I'm just really focused on how, having a good Thursday practice tomorrow. I don't try to <laughs> yeah. think about those things. <laughs> coach speak. All right. <laughs> One coach, past or present, that you could be on their staff. Who would it be? Wow. Uh, Vince Lombardi. Any reason behind that or just? Um, just everything, just everything that he encompassed. I mean, everything that, that I read, the things that he says, the quotes and those mm -hmm. type of things. I mean, um, I've, I'm, I've been leaning more, um, you know, towards Paul Brown as well now that I've been over here and, and read into that history more. But, um, yeah, just Vince Lombardi's kind of always been that. That guy, there's, all, there's quotes in my basement from him. Awesome. All right. Um, kind of on the same token there. If you could sit down and have a beer with one guy, past, present, fictional, whoever, who would it be? One guy. Or yeah. gal. You know, we're not sexist here. <laughs> um, man, and I got to go fast on this one. <laughs> um, one person, past, present. That's, I don't know if I, you know what I'd really like to sit down with uh, with Earl Bruce. Hmm. Um, I met him um, while I was at Bowling Green. Um, obviously, Coach Meyer um, coached for him, and they were really close. 
but I'd like to sit, I, you know, would have had that, like to have that opportunity now that I'm here, um, you know, and I think I would have had some different questions and things to ask him than I did when I was 22 years old and really didn't know anything. All right, what is your favorite type of pizza? Now, is that favorite type just type or from place? Because Both. this is a big issue on our coaching staff, is it? by the way. I, I yeah. heard a little bit about it. So yeah, uh, whether it's East Side Krauses, West okay. Side Krauses. Now, I'm from Akron, mm-hmm. um, so it, it's Luigi's. Mm-hmm. You know, pepperoni, sausage, banana peppers from Luigi's. Um, to me, that's that's as good as it gets. All right, definitely need to try that. I think we talked about that beforehand. Um, and just how ridiculous this question is, I love it. If you were any type of ice cream flavor, what would you be and why? Orange sherbet. And why? And why? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, because, yeah, I, cause different. Because I'm different. You know, yeah. all right. Um, you know, is orange sherbet that different? How many people you go, uh, you go to, you know, you go get ice cream. You go get ice cream with a, a buddy or with a family member. How many people do you um, see orange order orange sherbet? Not many, but everybody there likes it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Nobody's ever thought about, yeah. well, that's bad. You ever think, you know, orange sherbet's bad? Yeah. No, it's great, but not many people, not many people order it. Now, I don't like chocolate. That's an interesting thing about me. So I don't really like chocolate at all. So that's what I always had as a kid. So it's just continued uh, as an adult. There you go. All right, then. I get that right next to my caramel macchiato, the orange (laughs) shirt. Oh, caramel. Yeah, that's. All right. I I think that about wraps it up for our uh, rapid fire segment. You know, uh, here, I. I'd like to say, you know, go Tigers, beat uh, Columbus Whitehall. And um, I I think we're going to end it on a little bit of a different note tonight. It uh, There was a little bit of a commotion going on in Section 3 last Friday that, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't know what was going on. Uh, a fan, unfortunately, passed away. Uh, that was uh, Tom Hilbert. And he had that seat for 50 years, you know, and I think that's what makes he's the kind of guy, the kind of fan that makes Maslin special that, you know, put that sets us apart from anybody else that you got a guy going to high school football games for 50 years, you know, supporting the team and to go out and Paul Brown Tiger Stadium like that. You know, it's not my number one spot to leave this world from, but it's pretty high on the list. So that's kind of living the dream right there. Um, and I'm sure he watched the rest of the game from the other side. I'm sure he'll be looking down, watching the game at Mansfield. And uh, just from us here at the Blackstorm Podcast, the Tigers and the rest of Maslin, our thoughts and prayers are with you. On that note, go Tigers. Beat Columbus Whitehall. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.